Recovery from Anything features real stories that some listeners might find distressing. Check the show notes for specific content warnings and information on support services. Welcome to Recovery from Anything. I'm your host, Abby Felton. Today on the show, we're going to take a little break from our usual storytelling to bring you a Q&A with yours truly. If you're familiar with me only from this podcast, then maybe you don't know that I'm also a super famous and successful social media personality. If I say it enough times, then it makes it true. I create content that chronicles the lows of recovery as much as the highs because I truly believe that healing is messy and there's absolutely no way to embark on a journey like this while being comfortable all of the time. And we should be honest about that. I'm also a recovering alcoholic who has been through her fair share of trauma. And I have borderline personality disorder. My 20s and early 30s were basically a cascade of mental health issues and reckless behaviour, which left me in a psych ward wondering where it all went wrong. Now that I'm turning 36 this year, I'm pleased to say that I'm pretty stable and I don't fuck up as much anymore. I'm self-employed and I live with my partner Stefan, who also holds the title of my head cheerleader. Honestly, the support this man gives me, it blows my mind that someone could be so full of love for me, especially as someone who thought they were destined to be miserable and alone forever. So, this week, I'd like to share a Q&A that Stefan and I recorded together, answering questions my Instagram followers sent in about recovery, sobriety, and everything in between. Were you a clever kid? I just ask because it seems like the sensitive smart ones are the ones who fall into addiction, myself included. Uh, yes, I still am very clever. Obviously, <laughs> <laughs> you know. Um, I would say yes, I was a, I was a clever kid, but um, I also hated school. Like I, I know quite a lot of people kind of who have struggled with addiction when they were kids were given um, like the moniker of a, a gifted kid, but not necessarily reach their full potential. I know for me, I, I was always told my mum would always tell me like you're so clever, but you never put any effort in, and my my school report cards would always say Abigail has potential, but it gets easily distracted. Um, just the school setting was not for me. I hated authority. I still don't deal well with being told what to do. And um, I rebelled against that, like massively. Um, also, I didn't care. Like my, <laughs> <laughs> my priorities lay with having fun and kind of escaping in any which way I could. So like when I was a kid, my priorities lay with like um, going on the internet going on MSN Messenger, playing computer games, all that kind of stuff. And then as a teenager, my priorities would go out and get drunk. Like it wasn't learning or school or developing myself. Like I never thought of myself as having a career or getting into university. I was more like, I want instant gratification. And that is from the pleasure I can get now, which is either like going out playing with my mates or getting drunk or going to parties. Um, yeah, it's had no interest in school. School was my place to kind of take out my anger. I had like I had a really difficult relationship with my mum growing up and we argued a lot and it was very 
um, like an, an aggressive and unloving environment. And I kind of took my anger out at school and at my, my teachers. <laughs> so yes, I was clever, but I didn't want to do anything with it. All right, so question number two, most profound and useful thing your therapist has said to you slash work through with you? I can't think of any like individual pearls of wisdom or like fucking proverbs that they've told me. <laughs> but what I get out of therapy is an understanding of how I'm feeling. Because I've never understood my emotions really. And that's part of being an active addiction and part of having BPD. All through my life, I've not been able to identify my emotions. So they've been distressing and they've been overwhelming and I've not known how to deal with them. Um, and it's only now that I've gotten sober that I actually can work my way through how I'm feeling. Because before, I would just drink my feelings away. If something was difficult, I'd be like, oh, I'll just smoke some crack. There we go. That feeling's gone. Mm. <laughs> That's a nice temporary fix for the next few days. <laughs> um, but what I get out of therapy is that my, my therapist helps me understand how I'm feeling and we kind of work, like I'll tell her what's going on in my head and then she'll link it back to this is like very therapy but link it back to all my childhood trauma <laughs> <laughs> but it all makes so much sense so much sense like and she kind of like helps me understand why how why I'm feeling that way understand how I developed into thinking that way um and understand the actual feeling and then that helps me work through it and process it my therapist validates me a lot, which I find really, really helpful. Because I also find it very difficult to validate myself. Mm. Like, how are you supposed to validate yourself when you don't understand, like, what you're feeling or what you're doing? So, um, yeah, that's what my that's what I get out of therapy. That validation is just really important to me. I find it so useful because um, I'm always thinking like. Uh, I don't know, I like criticize myself for feeling certain ways. Like, I'm like, oh, I shouldn't feel that way. I should be stronger. I should be like, um, I should be able to deal with this. I should be able to, I shouldn't be struggling. Like I'm 35 years old, like mm. 35 year old people should know what they're doing. They should be able to cope with daily life. Um, but my therapist is like, well, actually, no, you've had a really difficult time and actually you're doing really well um but maybe we can do this way so i find that really like yeah validates my feelings and kind of makes me understand that i'm not a piece of shit which is great <laughs> i saw you mentioned you're close to your siblings and you go to them for support as someone whose brother is an alcoholic and is trying to get better but still having a lot of wobbles and he's on his own how can i best support him I would say, yes, I am very close to my siblings, by the way. We have a lot of shared trauma. <laughs> Rather than turning against each other and being angry and kind of like taking that tra trauma inward, we've kind of like learned to really care for each other and really look out for each other. It's a really special relationship I have with my siblings. It's just a lot of like care and understanding. Best way to support like a sibling or someone in your family who's struggling, I think, you know, it's difficult because part of having addiction issues is that you will continue even though there are negative consequences, like bad things will happen, but you just still can't stop. And that's addiction. So 
being supportive, holding that person, holding that person in mind and kind of being there when they need you to. Like, obviously, you can't convince someone to get sober. You can you can let them know how you feel and how they're drinking or drug taking or whatever destructive behavior they're doing. Like, you can tell them how that makes you feel and how that person is like, how you're viewing that person, like your perception of your loved one. Like if you can, if you see your brother destroying his life, you can, you can tell them that it saddens me to see you destroy your life. And, and you, I, you, you seem like you're in a really dark place, um, but you can't be like, you have to get sober. So the best thing you can do, I think, is to be there, keep supporting, keep having open conversations honest conversations and then with that sort of love and care and support they'll they'll find their way to recovery because like it's all about having something stable like addiction is instability so like you need the opposite of that you need stability so you need like that rock you need something that's constant and like you can be that person for your brother like you can be that constant while everything else is crazy. You can't like chuck someone to rehab. We learned that in the office. We did learn when that. When Michael in the tries to send she, he kidnaps Meredith and throws her into rehab. I have a deposit. <laughs> can't do that. Doesn't work. But it is important to look after yourself as well. Your own mental health is important. And you know, that's when when family members end up becoming estranged when they just can't take it anymore because people do have their breaking points and there does come a time where you have to put yourself first. So just stay vigilant about your own mental health too. You shared a story the other week about chugging raw egg for attention while having beers and breakfast. I'm not seeking to judge. And obviously you've been open and honest about where you are, where you're at in the past. I guess my question is, was that normal behavior for your friends at the time? And like what has happened to them? And were they also battling with addiction or just facilitated your behavior? Definitely facilitated my behavior as I facilitated theirs. Uh, so with that certain group of friends, they were like my party, traveling, like crazy bunch of friends. Like we all met each other when we were living and working in bars in Southeast Asia. So we were all very much of the mindset, let's party all the time, let's drink. Um, that was all we wanted to do um, was just, yeah, get drunk and fuck each other. <laughs> and do stupid shit like it was very much like the the culture of our friendship group was one-upmanship definitely like we would all we wanted to do was kind of do things to make each other's laugh make each other laugh just do ridiculous shocking things I think we really got a kick out of that just to do the most shocking stuff possible um it's almost like a badge of honor um it was really fun but you know it was very destructive behavior and I think at the time when I was in my early 20s, it was all a bit of fun. I think if I was acting that way now, it would be very embarrassing. <laughs> but yeah, I'm still really good friends with some of that friendship group. Some of them are still my best friends to this day. I don't, I don't really hang out with a lot of them, though, because that chapter of my life is closed. It's finished. It's done. And that's fine because that's life. Yeah, you have chapters to your life and sometimes they end and you move on to the next. And you know what they say, people are in your life for either a reason, a season or a lifetime. So that group of friends were in my life for a season and it had its time and place. But 
um, moved on. And some of them are sober. Some of them have settled down and had families. Some of them are still in Southeast Asia partying. I, like, I wouldn't I wouldn't ever be able to comment on someone else's um, relationship to drugs and alcohol. Like I can't say if someone else is addicted to something, like only that person can know that. Um, but I think we all met when we were in Southeast Asia and I think there was a reason we all met because we were all running from something back at home and we were all drinking to escape. So just for like the the nature of how we met, I would assume that a lot of people in that friendship group were also running away from themselves. I still really struggle with going out when others are drinking and I just feel completely apart from everyone. I know that my drinking would be completely out of control so I can't, but it still makes me feel resentful. I was just wondering how you deal with this feeling. I don't feel that way anymore at three years sober um, because I can't think of anything worse than drinking. Like when my friends are drinking and when they start getting, getting drunk and start getting louder and stop listening to other people and start coming out with nonsense I love them but sometimes they just talk nonsense I'm like oh my god I'm so glad I don't drink anymore like I have no desire to be a part of whatever this is <laughs> um <laughs> uh and I think that that comes from three years of of not drinking but when I when I first got sober um I, I don't know for me if resentful would be the right word like I wasn't when I was in situations where people were drinking, if I was at a house party or a bar or a pub, my friends are drinking and, I, and I'm like, ugh, I wish I could join in. Um, yeah, I got a bit of that. I wouldn't call it resentful. I don't think I was like angry about it. I think I was mostly like jealous. I was jealous that I couldn't join in. And I think my mindset at the time was, oh, I can only connect with these people. I can only join in with these people and feel part of what they're doing if I drink. Um, and that's where the jealousy came from. Because it, it felt like they're having this little fun time and all connecting with each other. And I can't be part of that. But I think my mindset has really has shifted since then, um, where I can connect with people when I'm sober and if and they're drinking. Like... Um, and I know that because I've done it and I've experienced it. I think when, when I was drinking, like connection was one of the reasons I drank so much because I, I, my perception was that in drinking and being drinking buddies with someone, I was forming an authentic connection with that person, which can be true in some cases. But I know now the connections that I make now in sobriety and being sober are way more authentic than the ones that I did when I was drinking. Um, so I think now my mindset has changed. I don't have that jealousy or resentment when people are drinking because I know from experience that I can be part of it and I can connect with people and I don't have to drink to do that. <laughs> uh, have you ever relapsed since you became sober? Would you mentally feel like you're at day one again? I have never relapsed. Touch wood. There is a table here. There is a table here. <laughs> I would not like to relapse. <laughs> it would not be an enjoyable experience. In fact, the thought of relapse kind of does terrify me. 
because I know it would take me back to a dark place and that is a scary place to be. Like the place where drink takes me is a place of suicidal ideation, a place of loneliness, desperation. I don't want that. That's, a, that's just a very dangerous place for anyone to be in. But I think it, when it comes to relapse, you can pick up where you left off. It's not easy. And it's, you know, if you think of recovery or sobriety as like a journey, let's say if you were going from like here to here and you're sober and you're sober and you're sober, but then you relapse and you kind of go off course for a bit, you're still halfway on your journey. You're still, you've still come all that way. When you come back from that relapse and you rejoin your recovery where you left it like you can you can just carry on from where where you took that detour you know it it is a big event and it's you do have to recover from it but it's possible yeah you don't have to go back to day one how does it feel to be in a stable relationship <laughs> dreadful <laughs> dreadful i hate hey. it <laughs> rude being in a stable relationship is like something i never thought that I would ever achieve. When I was drinking, I accepted that I was a depressed drunk and I was always going to be a depressed drunk and I was going to die a depressed drunk and I was, that was my destiny. That was like my path in life. Then when I got sober, I was like, oh, okay, maybe I can have a little bit of happiness. Oh, maybe I can find peace. Um, But I still thought, oh, but I'm this defective person. I'm never going to be in a relationship. But I thought, oh, I could be happy by myself. And I kind of made my peace with that and accepted that I can be sober, but I'll probably be alone forever. And that was okay. Um, I just thought I was too flawed and it would never happen. Maybe I, maybe I could have some relationship, but it would be disjointed. Like it wouldn't be something stable. It would be like a situationship. Um, so to be in a stable relationship, how does it feel? It, well, it's shocking. It's shocking to me, <laughs> but it's a relief and it's it's joyful and makes me happy. And just having that stability, like it's, I have a huge fear of abandonment, and every relationship before our relationship, I I was. I always felt unsafe and unsecure and always I just felt like at any moment that person would leave me and it would be the end of the world and my life would be over but in our stable healthy relationship I don't feel that ever ever like that fear has gone and it's a relief and it just feels so nice and comforting like I felt like like I'm not in survival mode I'm not like hyper vigilant in our relationship. I can just relax and be myself. Yeah, it's peaceful. How do you manage the shame that comes with the aftermath of drinking? Any advice for earning back respect from others? I think first of all, when it comes to dealing with shame, it's important to kind of understand the difference between shame and guilt. So guilt would be like when you've done something and you feel bad about that action. And then shame is when you feel bad about yourself. So if you feel guilty about something, you'd be like, oh, I made a mistake. 
I feel bad about that but if it's if you're feeling shame it's more like I am the mistake like I was born a mistake and so when it comes to sort of forgiving yourself for something that could be shameful I think it's important to understand that you are not a mistake and you're not an inherently bad person and to kind of have compassion for yourself and then once you're able to kind of show yourself that compassion and forgive yourself um I think that's where you start kind of getting over the shameful things we do when we drink just to remember like you you are not bad I think earning back respect from others people generally judge you on what you do not what you say so you can say I'm sorry I did this I'll change I won't do that again blah 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 um which is great and you know you should make amends and apologize but people are gonna judge you on what you do so to earn back respect it's changing those behaviors final question then Kino what do you think about terms used in place of alcoholic slash alcoholic in recovery for example alcohol free ex-drinker woman man person in recovery I think people if they wish to label themselves should label themselves however they want you know like for me I'm a bog standard alcoholic like that's it I'm just an alcoholic like I have a personality outside of that and I like I am a whole person and I'm a an an individual but I'm also an alcoholic like I like I'm powerless against alcohol I can't control it once I stop drinking I can't stop like I keep on drinking no matter like how bad the consequences and how bad it makes me feel like I'm just an alcoholic medically spiritually <laughs> psychologically that's your garden variety alcoholic so that's why I call myself that but it's important to like recognize that it can be a spectrum or is a spectrum you know you get people like me who are just fucking alcoholics but then also you get like problem drinkers and gray area drinking and you know it doesn't necessarily have to be one extreme to the other it doesn't have to be like oh I am sober or I'm an alcoholic or I can I can safely drink alcohol or I can't like you know there there are people who can um you know drink safely most of the time and maybe now and then they'll have a binge that makes them feel that doesn't make them feel good and they get anxiety and they want to cut that out of their lives and they might want to stop drinking so they might call themselves alcohol free that works for them that's great like I think if we kind of start gatekeeping terms then people are going to be like more reluctant to remove alcohol from their lives or make improvements to their lifestyle or or change things you know Mm. so I just think be open you've been listening to recovery from anything I'm your host Abby Felton If you enjoyed this podcast, please rate and review the show and join the community on Instagram at Recovery From Anything. You can find out more about this week's storyteller or submit a story of your own on our website, recoveryfromanything.com. Thank you for listening.